provide simple answers for healthier families. I'm so excited to talk to today's guest who I got to meet recently and who is just one of the most uplifting, um, positive, amazing people I've ever met. Alyssa Vitti is an integrative nutritionist and her specialty is in reproductive endocrinology. So she teaches women how to use their hormonal and neurochemical patterns to create extraordinary lives for themselves. And she's a best-selling author. She wrote a book called The Woman Code and she founded flowliving.com, that's F-L-O, living.com which is a virtual health center that helps support women with their hormonal and reproductive health and different struggles they have. Um, she graduated from John Hopkins University and the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and she's the creator of the Women's Code System. And she's also just such a go-getter and so amazing. Um, and she's been featured on the Dr. Oz Show, uh, on a lot of different online forms of media, CBS, Fox, Shape, and Huffington Post. And she has a popular TED Talk that's been viewed over half a million times. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I am such a fan of the Wellness Mama community, so it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, you are such a wealth of information that I want to jump right in. Um, and I know that you have an amazing story. Can you start with telling us your background and how you got into hormone health? Sure. So I was, you know, at Hopkins on my way to becoming an OBGYN when I got uh, sidelined with what I like to call a complete hormonal breakdown. <laughs> Not a nervous breakdown, a hormonal breakdown. And what that looked like for me was that I had put on about 60 pounds kind of out of the blue. Um, you know, my periods had stopped. My skin was broken out, you know, covered face, chest, and back and painful cystic acne. Couldn't wake up in the morning, couldn't go to sleep at night. My eating was all over the place. I was a mess, anxious, depressed, you know, tired and confused and really scared as to what was going on with me because certainly I had access to the best medical practitioners around and no one knew what was wrong with me. And that's not a good feeling. So it was one of those insomniacal nights. I found myself at the library and found a little article in an obstetrics journal about uh, Stein-Leventhal disorder, which was the original name given to polycystic ovarian syndrome. And as I was reading this, you know, this is 15, 17 years ago now, um, you know, as I was reading this, um, you know, it was just all the bells were ringing. I knew for sure that this is what I had. And it was really frustrating that I had been really not diagnosed at all since puberty, right? So we're talking five to seven years of just no diagnosis. And, and these problems really were creeping up slowly. Um, so even though the, the storm hit kind of all at once, there were signs along the way that this was happening. So I, you know, finally found a, a doctor who gave me the right test because I asked her to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then she confirmed that I did in fact have PCOS. And, and then that next moment that happened in her office was really the life-changing moment for me around my healthcare and how I got into the work that I do. You know, so I'm sitting with her, we had done the exam and, and I said, okay, now what? You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a very practical person, so I wanted to know what the solution was. And she said, well, you know, there's really no cure for what you have. Um, you know, you're going to experience obesity, increased likelihood for diabetes, infertility, heart disease, and cancer, but not to worry because we'll just medicate you along the way and, and help you manage the symptoms. And she said that all in one breath, 
<laughs> and I remember feeling uh, this strong uh, voice inside of myself, my body, my cells, you know, something was telling me that that wasn't my path. And I, without realizing exactly how I was going to accomplish this, I, I, I told her, no, thank you. I'm going to go figure this out. And, and that really was the beginning of my uh, research into functional medicine and epigenetics and nutritional genomics and, and really looking at how do we use food to manipulate organ systems in the body to get them to perform optimally. And my research led me to create the five-step protocol that we use at flowliving.com in the Woman Code system online. And it's certainly what helped turn my health completely around to the astonishment of the medical professionals I was working with. Um, you know, and I love, I always have to switch gynecologists, Katie, because, you know, at a certain point they, they find out what I do and then, then all of a sudden we're talking about business and not my, my ovaries, right? So <laughs> um, it's always fun for me to go back to, to go to new gynecologist because then they're always doing another, you know, ultrasound to see in fact that my ovaries are clear and, and that's always fun because they're like, this is not possible that this has happened. So, you know, that's, that's sort of, um, how I went from, you know, someone who had no interest in what was going on with my cycle, with my hormones to someone who, you know, is just so passionate about educating as many women as possible about how the endocrine system works and then what you need to do to make it work for you as opposed to against you. That's awesome. What were some of those practical steps, those five steps? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the protocol, you know, what's unique about woman codes, the woman code system is that it works for whatever issue that you're having, because the endocrine system functions the same in everyone, you may have a particular breakdown that is different from your friend, your sister, your mother, your coworker, but the way that it's designed is designed in this very um, predictable fashion. And so that's what's so great about how this works. So step one is really addressing what the endocrine system needs as the baseline, most important layer of support, which is blood sugar stability, right? So your brain and your heart and your muscle tissue need glucose to survive. The endocrine system is designed to actually safeguard the transport of glucose to the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue. If you do anything to disturb that process during your meals, during the day, skipping a meal, being late with a meal, starting the day with caffeine on an empty stomach. There are lots of little things that women do unwittingly, right, to undermine endocrine function. Then everything else that the endocrine system wants to do on your behalf to make your hormones balance becomes compromised. It becomes secondary because now we don't, with the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue are concerned it won't have the glucose that it needs to perform what they need to do. So step one is really getting that organized. Step two of the protocol has to do with getting the adrenals and thyroid to work in harmony the way that they're meant to, because so much, um, you know, and I hope we get a chance to talk about PMS, so much of PMS has to do with, you know, this decrease in progesterone, elevated levels of estrogen, and there is a huge thyroid adrenal connection here to so many of the symptoms that women have around their cycle, around infertility, around low libido, so we address that in the second step. Um, the third step, and it's really important that it's step three and not step one, which a lot of women do first and that actually makes problems worse, is liver support, otherwise known as some 
otherwise sometimes called detoxification, but really we're talking about supporting the, the phases of liver detoxification versus, you know, what I see so many women do is start with like a heavy detox and they actually feel sicker and actually makes their endocrine system more compromised. So important that that's the third step. The fourth step of the protocol um, has to do with something unique that I created as well, which is um, what we call the pro-hormonal diet. Uh, so there are four phases, uh, four distinct hormonal ratios that you have in, in a 30-day cycle. And we have a particular diet plan that you eat according to those four phases so that you are optimizing those hormonal ratios so that you're not dealing with excess estrogen, for example, um, or you're supporting production of progesterone at the right times during the cycle. Um, and the fifth step is, is something that surprised me as well because, again, I'm such a practical person. I certainly wasn't looking at energy medicine in the beginning, but um, over the years of being in practice with women all over the world for 15 years, I've come to really appreciate that there is an emotional component around the way you relate to your body and your feminine energy that's really uh, helpful in just being very specific in looking at such that you can just expedite the process. Because when, I, when you really look at the endocrine system, it's the mind-body conversation made physical, right? The brain houses the pituitary and the hypothalamus, and that, that manages and connects with the glands and organs in the rest of the endocrine system that are sort of from the neck down. So that's the body part. So this mind-body conversation that's happening, when we think about it from the point of view of the endocrine system, isn't so woo-woo. It's really a physical, functional thing. And I like women to address some of the areas that they might feel stuck in as well. I love that. And I've never heard the idea of eating in accordance with your hormonal cycles. That's the, I had only heard of that from you. And I think it's a really brilliant idea to do. Um, and I know, at least from my readership, that hormone problems really seem to be on the rise. Mm. And um, I have a post on balancing hormones naturally, and it is consistently one of my top five posts. I think people are really searching for answers. So can you talk about what maybe are some of the reasons that we're seeing all these increases in hormone problems? Yeah, no, and I love that post of yours. Um, you know, for me, I look at it, there are three things that are kind of coming together in this perfect storm to make uh, the what I see as a, a growing epidemic of hormonal problems, not just problems around your cycle um, or perimenopausal transition, but also, um, you know, infertility is on the rise, low libido in younger and younger women is on the rise. All of these things to me, all part of the same problem. And the three, the three factors that come into play here are the following. First and foremost, and this I just see over and over again every day when we work with women. Every woman is being misled by the diet industry <laughs> um, to be eating diets that are not pro-hormonal. They're missing key micronutrients that provide the actual glands and organs in your endocrine system with the right building blocks such that they can manufacture adequate hormones for you. If you're eating a diet that's kind of agnostic to your female system and you're suffering with symptoms around your cycle, your sex drive, or your fertility, you got to completely change the diet. And that diet, you know, if it's just about weight loss, it's probably really uh, exacerbating your condition. Um, second reason 
a second factor involved in this sort of growing epidemic, Katie, is the is the increase in chemical exposure that we are sort of besieged by. In fact, a statistic I had heard that just blew me away that I now share at every opportunity is that in a 30-day period, you and I and everyone listening to this podcast is being exposed to more chemicals that contain what are called xenoestrogens, so uh, not endogenous to the body, um, that more than in your grandparents' generation, more than they were exposed to for their entire lifetime. 30 days. So this is coming from, you know, pesticides in your food, uh, chemicals in your home cleaning products, dry cleaning chemicals. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. PCBs, dioxins, you know, the plastics. Um, it, it's, it's pretty gnarly out there for your endocrine system and your ovaries. And we need to do what we can on an individual basis um, to try to safeguard ourselves against exposure to that. And then the third thing, you know, and I, I love bringing this one up because, you know, if it were me, if it were me I'd roll my eyes too. <laughs> so I'm just prefacing it with this. Um, but I'll explain, you know, more of what I mean. Stress. Stress is happening in a way that we haven't experienced before in a low-grade, continuous fashion. Um, you know, a couple generations ago, you'd have stressful moments, stressful things that would come and pass. Now, because of the sort of lifestyle that we're all living, it's chronic, low-grade stress that we're experiencing, which our adrenals are not adapting to. The adrenals don't adapt to it. The brain does. Um, and and then, of course, we're having digestive stress as well because we're mismanaging blood sugar. We're having gut bacteria imbalances. We're having food allergies we're not addressing. All of these things create a, an infl inflamed internal ecosystem that leaves the body in a stress state constantly. And that sends a whole other cascade of, of chemicals uh, conversing with the endocrine system that leave us very vulnerable to hormonal imbalance. And... That's the bad news, but the good news is that there's so much that we can personally do that's not that complicated to address it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's something I always have to remind everyone is that there is so, still so much hope in this. Um, and I'd love to go into maybe more specifics on different topics now. And we'd already mentioned PMS in passing, but let's talk more about that. So what exactly is PMS? We obviously know the name, but what is it and is there any help for that naturally? Absolutely. Lots of help. Um, PMS is an imbalance in during the luteal phase, which is the 10 to 12 days following ovulation le leading up to your actual uh, menstruation, um, that it's an imbalance between the concentration of estrogen and progesterone. And most typically, women will have more estrogen than they need and not enough progesterone. And this will leave you with all the sort of classic symptoms like breast tenderness and moodiness, irritability, fatigue, bloating, headaches, all of that. Um, you know, there's a thyroid adrenal component as well. So if thyroid issues are a problem, if you, if, and you need to be vigilant about your lab work if you have, you know, quote unquote, within the normal range, but you're on the elevated TSH side of that, you know, I would want you to take action more proactively than wait until you've kind of blown the TSH lid off the pot and then have to take some sort of medication. 
Um, because once the thyroid is underperforming, the adrenals start overcompensating. You have elevated levels of cortisol, which then causes a, fall, uh, a decrease in uh, the production of DHEA. And DHEA is one of the places from which we get an added boost of progesterone um, as well. Um, so, you know, we have, we have to really look at all of these things when we're looking at PMS. Um, but the things that I love doing for PMS are all food-based. Um, so certainly um, helping the liver, give, getting the micronutrients that the liver needs to help metabolize estrogen is really, really important. So if you're not on a good B vitamin, I would get on one. Um, and then, of course, eating things like dark leafy greens and uh, sunflower seeds and you know, uh, making sure that you're having a nice variety of fresh fruits and vegetables, even doing a little bit of juicing can really provide you with uh, a wide variety of micronutrients and glutathione and vitamin C, all which will help the liver break down estrogen. And then to boost progesterone, um, you know, I really love recommending uh, egg yolks from farm-raised, pasture-fed uh, chickens um, that are, you know, where you're eating the egg yolk in as, you know, not raw, but let's say like you're poaching the egg and you're leaving the, the yolk as runny as you can. Um, the more undenatured, the better. Um, because the yolk contains a lot of precursors for progesterone production. But, you know, overall and you'll hear me say this over and over again, you can't spot treat, you know, a condition, right? You can't spot treat PMS because it involves every aspect of the endocrine system. So while I love to recommend some of these, these suggestions, keep in mind that without balancing your blood sugar and addressing this cortisol imbalance in the adrenals and working on the liver and eating in this pro-hormonal way, you know, you're only going to get so far, uh, so it's important to, to really step back from the symptom and go to the root causes, which have everything to do with the optimizing glandular function in the endocrine system. Yeah, that's great advice. And especially the advice on lab work, I think um, that can be a source of frustration for women sometimes because they feel like they get lab work and everything is supposedly normal and they're not getting answers. But um, when it comes to especially even the B vitamins, one thing I found out recently is that I have the MTHFR gene mutation. Mm -hmm. So um, to bring the science down to a normal level, basically I wasn't processing um, folic acid at all, the synthetic form, but I was even having trouble with folate, which is what I had been taking. So um, for me, just the switch to methylated forms of B vitamins helped a lot. So things like that, the micronutrient level and understanding your body, that's a very personalized thing, but you're right. It's extremely important with hormones. Um, and when I asked my audience, you know, what are hormone related questions and hormone problems that you struggle with? PMS was a big one. And the second big one was endometriosis. So mm. can you talk about that? Is it the same type of thing? The same type of things work or are there special considerations there? Yeah. You know, I love talking to women with endometriosis because, you know, they feel so hopeless when they read sort of traditional literature about it. And the good news is, you know, it's really an issue in three parts that need to be addressed. It's gut bacterial imbalance. You know, these are all things that have been researched to, to have created the condition in the first place. Uh, liver uh, is massively compromised in its ability to break down the toxic forms of estrogen in the body. And then, of course, there's the autoimmune uh, portion of it um, as well, which is unique uh, to 
among some of the other conditions that women will typically deal with in this category of health issues. So, you know, when you're approaching a healing protocol, you know, most women assume that surgery uh, is the only option. But, um, you know, of course, those of you who have endometriosis and you've had some of the laparoscopic surgery or other types of surgery, um, you know that it does, in fact, provide only temporary solution and and these, these lesions and tumors do grow back. Um, so what's, what's great is it's not an either or, you know, surgery can be helpful, especially if you're trying to clear a path for, um, embryo implantation around conception, but regardless of what you're doing surgically, you must address that internal ecosystem for first really looking at, um, healing any gut dysbiosis with fermented foods and good probiotic and some nice anti-inflammatories like N-acetylcysteine and L-glutamine. Um, and then, you know, really addressing estrogen metabolism in every way possible, not just eating kale and taking the right B vitamins and doing some of the other sort of things that we talk about, but also really removing any exposure that you are humanly capable of doing to these pesticides and chemicals. These all have an estrogenic effect on the body that you are more sensitive to than a woman who doesn't have endometriosis. And then as far as the, the autoimmune um, issue, you know, there have been some wonderful studies on women with endometriosis taking high doses of vitamin C and gamma-linoleic acid, something like evening primrose oil. The vitamin C actually reduces um, the profligation of the lesions and the gamma linoleic acid similar in a different pathway interrupts uh, uh, the you know pregnenolone sort of chain reaction that can stimulate the uterine lining to grow in a rapid form so you know it's really manageable but you have to you know get involved with your body and with your diet and not just sort of assume that surgery is the only option yeah, that's awesome. And I know one other um, hormone-related condition that seems to be really um, rising and that you've struggled with is PCOS. Mm. And um, I've got a lot of questions from people about what about PCOS, but also infertility with PCOS, because those two often go hand in hand. And um, is there natural help for that without turning to the more drastic measures? Yeah, you know, and PCOS, endometriosis, PMS, ovarian cysts, um, you know, fibroids, all of these things compromise fertility. So, you know, that's an important thing to consider, which is regardless of what you're dealing with with your cycle, if you want to preserve, protect, expand, amplify your fertility, taking care of your cycle issues today will allow you a much easier pathway to motherhood tomorrow. Um, so I can't stress that enough. You know, don't put your period problems off <laughs> to the side for years. Take the pill, mask the symptoms. Try not to do that. Try to get involved immediately uh, because the, the sooner you start, the easier the problems are to correct. They have less time to become deeply entrenched patterns in the endocrine system. And of course, um, you're not running up against the stress of, of time and time constraints around, oh, I want to have a baby now, but now you're dealing with all these other hormonal issues. So with PCOS in particular around fertility, and this is obviously a subject I know a lot about, 
as I am currently pregnant, um, is that, um, you know, and I was told 17 years ago that would never happen naturally, um, you know, and I was able to conceive, you know, by myself with my husband, you know, at home on the, on the third try um, at 37, right? So this is uh, good news to be sharing, but that's because for the past 15 years, I've been living in a very pro-hormonal way with my diet and my lifestyle. Um, so, you know, the deal with PCOS is the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, that conversation between the brain and the ovary, is extremely sensitive and responsive to fluctuations in glucose and insulin. So that's what, what's happening, right? But the good news is that's extremely easy to address because it's really the first step of the protocol takes care of that immediately, right? If you get your blood sugar st stabilized and you're taking that seriously, like it's your job, um, then the symptoms start to correct themselves. And that's what's so rewarding about working with PCOS. In fact, we partner with several IVF centers across the country because more and more reproductive endocrinologists who do assisted reproductive technology recognize that for PCOS patients, simply uh, uh, stimulating them with synthetic hormones doesn't actually correct the problem or yield any different result than statistically than them trying on their own because of this hypersensitivity that the ovary has around uh, glucose. So taking the estrogen and the progesterone and all the other things that you're going to be injected with are not going to actually solve that problem. So again, it comes back to how can I take personal responsibility for my condition and really be proactive with my food such that I can clear a path for not only my cycles to regulate, but also to conceive. Yeah, that's awesome. And congratulations again on your daughter. That's so amazing and so exciting for you. Thank um, you. And I know something that's often probably an early warning sign of these problems, but that is not really talked about and it's usually ignored is women who have low libido and like natural ways to boost that because, um, you know, you always hear what is a normal sex drive and I hate using the word normal, but, um, I think a lot of women maybe struggle from that and sometimes don't even know about it. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit? Are there things that women can do that will naturally help boost their hormone levels and their sex drive? Yeah, I love, I love the idea of like finding what is normal. So hormonally speaking, you have two big surges of testosterone that intersect your estrogen in a really unique way during your cycle. This happens during ovulation and this happens during the first half of the luteal phase. Um, now, some women also report feeling more, uh, you know, libidinous during their actual menses, but that has to do more with um, uh, the buildup of fluid in the tissues in the surrounding areas um, than the testosterone factor. But you do have two peak uh, concentration uh, of testosterone exposure to that hormone during your cycle, and that's where our sex drive really comes from. Now, the other place where we as women generate all of this testosterone is actually from the adrenal glands. 90% of your testosterone is being manufactured from the DHEA that your adrenal gland is producing for you versus men, you know, 90% of their testosterone is being produced in the testes, 10% from the adrenals. So what is happening with your endocrine system really affects your sex drive. And younger and younger women, because of the stressful lifestyle, uh, eating diets that are micronutrient poor, um, find themselves 
very easily, um, you know, leaving the, the adrenal vulnerable to stage one and stage two adrenal fatigue. And as soon as you're in that position, uh, the sex drive is really going to start to diminish not only desire for uh, sex, but also sexual response is going to feel less um, exciting and explosive when you do have um, a, a, an encounter. So it's not just desire, it's also response. And, and all of this is something that's hormonally driven. So, you know, what I like to recommend, you know, of course, is, is really working on the underlying causes. Because, you know, I always love reading these articles in Cosmo magazine, like, you know, about your sex and how to have better sex. And I'm always laughing because, you know, it's really all about what you should be doing for somebody else in bed. And I think, you know, for someone who's struggling with a hormonal issue and is exhausted from adrenal fatigue and thyroid issues and doesn't realize it, the last thing she wants to do is worry about who they're talking, you know, who they're dealing with in, in bed, right? So it's really more about you getting to the root causes of your hormonal imbalance and all the things that we talked about so far around the different steps of the protocol and really eating in the right way will help with that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I agree with you 100%. And um, I'm going to kind of cross into probably a little bit of controversial territory here. Um, but I would love to talk to you about hormonal contraceptives a little bit. Um, mm. I know that they're very commonly prescribed for a lot of different reasons from everything from acne on. Um, and for me personally, I've made a choice never to use hormonal contraceptives just because it seemed a little disingenuous to spend, you know, $6 a pound or more on grass fed meat to avoid hormones and antibiotics and then purposely take hormones and antibiotics the next day. So, um, I mean, that's been my personal choice, but can you talk about hormonal contraceptives and what role they might play in, in this hormone balance or disbalance? Yeah. You know, so we're talking about the pill. We're talking about, uh, hormonal based like IUD, like Mirena, um, really here and, and any other, you know, synthetic forms of hormones you can get your hands on. But, you know, essentially most women are dealing either with the pill or the IUD as, as, as their main ways of being exposed to hormonal contraception. Now, given that there are so many other ways to prevent pregnancy, um, if you are someone who is hormonally sensitive and dealing with a hormonal issue, being on hormonal contraceptive has been studied to make uh, your it, symptoms worse. Now, what does that mean? Because some of you may be on these medications and feel slightly better. So yes, it is true that they will mask your symptoms temporarily, but in the background, while you can't notice it because you're um, having the influx of these synthetic hormones, it's actually these medications are disturbing your gut flora balance. They're depleting key micronutrients at a more rapid pace. Um, that are needed by your liver to break down estrogen. They are exposing you to synthetic forms of hormones that you may be even more sensitive to than the average woman because you have pre-existing hormonal issues. So when you do decide to go off of it, you will have you know, a relapse and oftentimes your symptoms will be worse. Um, and what I have seen is that that is the case nearly 100% of the time. Um, it also increases, you know, challenges around trying to conceive when you finally do get off the pill. Um, and of course, making, you know, all the things that are wrong with your cycle will come to haunt you doubly so during perimenopause if you don't address them 
uh, immediately in a natural fashion. So yeah, I'm not a fan, if you can guess, <laughs> um, of, you know, from, from using synthetic hormones. I think it's not the right approach for women with hormonal sensitivity. Now, if you have no symptoms and you're one of the lucky few women who have easy cycles and you can go on and off the pill without any symptoms, then by all means, if that's your preferred form of contraception, that's fine. Um, my concern is really for those women who are struggling with PMS, endometriosis, fibroids, PCOS, and we know that these medications do not correct uh, the condition at all. It just masks them and delays your ability to have access to your body in its natural state such that you can actually do the type of, let's say, fixing of your hormones that I would want you to do. And that's really about treating the underlying breakdown in the endocrine system with food. Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing I'll echo is that um, there are very many natural ways to space pregnancies that don't involve hormones. And for us, that's mean I've been using a lot of different fertility monitors, kind of partially to test them side by side and see how they work. Mm -hmm. um, but by doing that, I have found out things about my cycle that I would not have known if I hadn't been doing that and figured out um, some cortisol issues I was having with elevated at the wrong time of day mm -hmm. and a shorter luteal phase. And even I had an anovulatory cycle and tried to figure out what was up with that. And I never would have known those things if I hadn't been paying attention to my body and if I had just masked that. Exactly. So, so I think you, you, women especially, we, um, you know, we have so many more hormonal fluctuations than men do, but mm -hmm. in a sense, that's a gift because we can learn so much more about our body through those fluctuations. And each month it gives us a window into kind of what's going on internally that men don't have as easily. So it can be a frustration, but it can also be a really uh, great way to figure out what's going on with your body. Oh, yeah. And if, you know, and the practice that we help women evolve is, you know, once you understand what to listen for in your body's uh, cues to you around hormonal health, and endocrine system health, then it becomes a fun uh, relationship that you have with your body as opposed to a frustrating one where you can say, oh, well, right now, this month, this is what's happening, and based on that, I'm going to do X, Y, Z with my diet and my lifestyle for the following month because I know that's going to immediately correct how I might have gone off course. And then you feel empowered. You know what's happening. It's, it's not complicated. It's a really pleasurable lifestyle to be living one that is in relationship to your body in a pro-hormonal way. Exactly. And I cannot believe how fast our time has flown by, but there's three questions I always try to end with. Uh, and the first one is, what is one piece of advice you wish someone had given you earlier in life? Very straightforward. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to do, giving this advice to my nieces and, and anyone I can. Um, my, that my body's ever-changing nature physical, chemical, brain chemistry, all that is an asset, a powerful asset that, that it is my privilege to learn how to leverage in every aspect of my life. Mm, I love that. And secondly, what's one book or resource besides your own, which I will definitely link to in the show notes, but what's one book or resource you would recommend to others maybe struggling with these problems? You know, I really love The Female Brain by Luann Brizendine. Um, she's an amazing doctor who really breaks down in this very slim novel, this book, um, you know, how your neurochemistry is affected by your hormones and how it's not this scary bad thing. You're not crazy. You're not moody. She really debunks the stereotypes around um, our quote-unquote personality and our hormones and and I think that's a necessary thing for all of us to, to get clear on. Awesome. We'll link to that too for sure. 
And lastly, what is one action step people can take right now if they are trying to fix all these problems? What would be the first step? First step, and I'm going to say this, and I know it's a little unpopular, ladies, but (laughs) first step would certainly be um, to make sure you're not drinking caffeine on an empty stomach at any point in the day, but definitely not first thing in the morning. Now, I'm not asking you to give up your coffee yet, (laughs) but, uh, you know, if you can just have it after breakfast as a place to start, you won't, you, you know, that, that first thing in the morning on the empty stomach, coffee, a cup of coffee throws off your, uh, blood sugar metabolism for the entire day. And no matter what else you do, what other supplements you take, how good your diet is, you won't be able to reap any of the benefits until you sleep and reset metabolically the next day. So if you can do that, you'll start setting yourself up for success much more quickly. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for your time and for being here. And where can everybody find you if they want to learn more about you? You can, everyone can come to our website, flowliving.com, F-L-O. Um, you can find us on Facebook um, at Facebook forward slash flowliving. Twitter is the same. And uh, we have a great weekly um, newsletter that has a lot of very targeted information around, you know, these specific conditions. So I encourage those of you who want to learn more um, to sign up for that newsletter. It's free, of course. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wealth of information with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Katie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. If you would like to get my seven simple steps for healthier families guide for free, head on over to wellnessmama.com and enter your email and I'll send it over to you right away. You can also stay in touch on social media, facebook.com forward slash endless wellness or on Twitter and Instagram at wellnessmama. And I would also really appreciate it if you would take a second and subscribe to this podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you've ever benefited from something I talked about on this podcast, I would be really appreciative if you would leave a rating or review since that's how others are able to find this podcast and so we can help spread the message. Thanks as always for listening and for reading and for being on board with creating a future for our children that's healthier and happier. And until next time, have a healthy week.